Hi, Evie. Love your podcast. I have a question for Dr. TJ. I am wondering if he supports and believes in hormone replacement pellets. Some doctors do and some doctors don't. And if you could discuss possibly the advantages or disadvantages of using a pellet. I'm 62. I've been on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for quite some time after a hysterectomy. And currently I'm using the cream that I get at a compounding pharmacy. But honestly, it's kind of a pain because, you know, I forget to use it. I run out before I get the next shipment. It's becoming pricey, etc. So I was just wondering if perhaps you could discuss the advantages, disadvantages of using a pellet or other options. And is it safe for us to use indefinitely? And also, if you think it's necessary for a woman to take progesterone if she has had a hysterectomy. I really look forward to your input, and I love listening to you. Thank you. It's Evie here. Welcome to EML Radio, where we are always talking truth. All of those things you need to hear that nobody else is willing to say. This one is a hormone-related question. Okay. Um, Is it optimal to use a pellet for hormones versus cream? Well, that's a very good question. And and it's a little deeper than that, but I want to start there because this is kind of layers. Sure. So ultimately, it depends. It depends on a lot of different factors. It depends on, you know, how healthy the person is, how old the person is, how large the person is. Um, when we're, we're talking about hormone creams, uh, we have patients on creams in our office. We have patients that are on pellets in our office. Um, and it really, truly depends on what that unique individual's system has going on. Um, so so sometimes creams work best because a person may be older, their levels are extremely low, and they just want a little bit of help. And so that's where creams come in perfect. Um, other times... Um, creams can be a bridge to get someone's hormone levels up to then utilize a pellet. Um, and other times, you know, people just benefit going straight into a pellet, um, depending on their particular situation. You just said something that I don't, that I don't even understand is what would be the bridge? What would be the necessity of a bridge between getting someone's levels up enough before they were ready for a pellet? Um, so it, some, it can be either, we're watching out for them with other health things that they have going on. And we're just wanting to make sure that we don't have any complications with other things here. And sometimes it's a mental thing with the patient. Like they're not really sure that hormones are going to help them. They understand what we're telling them that their hormone levels are super low and they need some help, but they're not necessarily interested in going all the way to having a, a pellet, put in where they can't just stop 
to they if they wanted to. Yeah, they've got to deal with it. So you know, they, they may not be quite there, and you know, and frankly, they may never get there. We have patients that are like, I'm not so sure that that's where I want to go, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely interested in this. So our job is to meet people where they are and help them on their journey. Mm-hmm. My job is not to put them, and our job is not to put them on our journey for them. Right. They have to be on their own, and that's. I think that separates us from a lot of of healthcare practitioners in all walks of healthcare mm-hmm. is we're helping the person on their journey. We're not telling them you have to do this. You've got to like, it just, that doesn't sit well with a lot of individuals. And I think that's why that's one of the things that, you know, has helped us is our willingness to work with our patients, mm-hmm. not putting them into the a certain box and then telling them that they have to do something. We just don't, I don't like it that way. Yeah. Cause I think that a lot of people feel highly pressured when they go yeah. to the doctor and, and right? petrified and a nervous right and yeah. then they feel overwhelmed because people are saying a lot of words they don't understand yep speaking a language that they don't speak and then it's like okay and they're kind of in this uh, for lack of a better word kind of an inferior position yep intellectually in the room even yep. though it's their body and right. their health care which i think is probably even more so now given the last couple of years right right with just so many conflicting narratives and what people should be doing with sure. their health and what's been going on in the world. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, it, and it's, unfortunately, it's really not that difficult to explain whatever a person has going on. It just takes an extra couple of minutes. Yeah. You know, it's just, they're just not getting that type of care. No, because most people are not involved in a system that is set up for actual lengthy patient interaction. Correct. Right. It's the, the system is, line yep, type the, the system is shorter visits. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a, a, a follow-up question or a follow-up two questions, th- those can't get answered mm-hmm. because you just, they, they don't have time for that. And it's no fault of the, the patient. It's just the system is set up not really in their favor to ask and answer a bunch of questions. And you have some doctors out there that do a very good job of that. Right. But those are also the people that are, you know, at the end of the day, they're behind by an hour because- <laughs> They just they you just can't keep up. Right. You just can't, unfortunately. But that's why that's why there's a there's it de- depends on the person. Okay, so then let me break that down even further. Is there a difference with one preferable over another if it depending on the type of hormone? Like, do you give horm do you give pellets for a lot of different kinds of hormones? Like, I mean, I get testosterone pellets. Yep. Right. So there's testosterone and estrogen. Um, okay. That's those are your typical pellets. Okay. Um, beyond that, I mean, progesterone is usually oil or, or oral, not oil. Um, <laughs> progesterone in oil is given as an injection for people going through fertility. Um, but progesterone is usually an oral, um, which I take too. Yeah. Sublingual. Like, Correct. Mm-hmm. And then, um, testosterone can be either a pellet or a cream. Estrogen can be either a pellet or a cream and it's estradiol that's given as a pellet and a cream really. Now you can get estrone, estradiol, estriol, like it gets deep quickly mm-hmm. with what you're giving a person. Um, and it really, really depends for the vast majority of people. It's just estradiol and or testosterone. Okay. So then another one last piece of this was part of this question um, is whether or not women post hysterectomy, this gal is 62. Mm-hmm. We'll play a recording when we actually when we air this mm-hmm. episode, um, and whether or not post-62, post-hysterectomy, whether or not a person like that even needs to be taking progesterone. 
Now, you can't answer specifically for her. Right. I get it, but... I can't answer specifically for her, but it it just depends. So it depends on if 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 someone is doing a testosterone and estrogen hormone replacement and they have symptoms of progesterone deficiency, yeah, they could take progesterone. It depends on what's going on. It okay. really truly depends. Progesterone helps with mood, it can help with sleep. Um it it just it really depends on the person and it depends on the practitioner understanding what this per- particular person's unique situation and circumstances are mm-hmm. of whether or not they need it are we giving them progesterone or would you be giving them progesterone to promote the ability for gestation no of course not they had a hysterectomy like that's not what it would be given for um it would be given because their natural production of whatever they would be making on their own, if they still had all of their parts, you would be complementing that. You, so you would be replacing what they would naturally be producing, even though they may, you know, may not be. Women go through menopause at different ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't actually say that she might be in menopause if if left up to her own natural devices that. She may not quite be in menopause at 62. It's extremely rare that someone is not in menopause at 62, but it is possible. Just like on the other end of the spectrum, right, where some women go through menopause. And in their 30s. Normally early. Yeah. Like I have a sister who, like, I mean, she went through menopause. Shit. Like, I mean, she's eight years older than me, and I think she hasn't – she's been through menopause for, like, 15 years. Right. right? My mom was the exact same way. Right. Like, late 30s actually went through menopause. Yep. It happens. Mm-hmm. It happens on both ends of the spectrum. And, you know, I don't really know if we know why that happens early or way later for, for some versus the others. I mean, I have my – guesses is exposures and toxic levels and you know various things that go on what you were exposed to in utero what you know what mama went through like there's all different kinds of things mm-hmm. so so i want to i said that was kind of the end piece of that but i want to oh actually explore it a little bit further on the progesterone thing because i have a story to share with you and it was like the, i mean I, I just had seen a lot of different people over the time that i had my gym, right? Mm-hmm. It was like working individually with people. It was like you could see a lot of what I would refer to as kind of like haphazard hormone prescribing going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know your thoughts on that, for one. Like where <laughs> I always try to get you to like <laughs> – you can see your face. You're like, stop asking me to throw – professionals under the bus i'm really not asking you to do that she's that's exactly what she's asking me to do (laughs) i just see how would i put it okay i would i would expect that kind of in the typical western world of medicine for really deep knowledge on hormones would be somewhat limited, right? It's just not really what they're doing in a functional, in a like from a functional approach. Correct. Okay? From a functional approach, that would be accurate. Right, right. Um, versus like a treatment-based Correct. approach to it. Fair? Yep. Okay. But I'm also now seeing in the naturopathic world where you have, I've seen it. I've seen, I would call them like the victims of it, of people that are going through, say, a weekend or week-long course on hormones and then all of a sudden, we got everybody just prescribing people hormones. Mm-hmm. Are you asking for Fair? my thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So how to 
dance around this one. Um, <laughs> oh, that that. Hmm. That's a, say it that's like a, it was just you and I. Uh, that's a very <laughs> difficult question to answer because, again, this is one of those situations where I commend the person for trying to go get more information mm-hmm. and learn a better way to help their patients. But also, this is kind of a classic example of hammer and nail. They learn something new, and they're a hammer, and now everything they see is a nail uh, rather than gathering all of the information that may be necessary. Oh, I love that. That was, but it, that was beautifully that's, done. No that's what I see, that. right? Like, yep. like, we've all been victim of that. I've mm-hmm. been a victim of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, and I luckily now I've got enough people around me to say, hey, TJ, you're, you're, you're kind of being a hammer here. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then mm-hmm. you step back and you just reevaluate everything. Yep. It's it's very common. You know, we go off to, to learn new things and we get all amped up about that. And we don't necessarily think about how do we incorporate that into our practice rather than uh, for like a few days we turn our practice into that. <laughs> oh, <no>. like, <laughs> like, well, because you're excited about the new knowledge. Right. I get it. Right. right. And so I can't fault them for that. Um and what'll happen with a lot of that, or what I what I hope to see happen with a lot of that, is that they dial that back, and you know, they see okay, well, this person didn't respond to that. If you can start learning with okay, well, this person didn't respond to that. I need to shift gears a little bit. Now, how do I shift gears? Mm-hmm. Like they may not have learned how to shift gears. Like that's the sort of stuff where you just hoping that they're going to evolve and and go to the next level and the next level and the next level. Like that's you're more hopeful than I. Am. <laughs> I, I like, I'm just saying, I would see it. I would see it frequently. Yeah. I, have, and I mean, I don't live in the same community as you do right. either, right? So it's totally right. a different community. But like, here was the story I wanted to share with you. Gal who had successfully lost 40 pounds mm-hmm. um, doing a keto diet. Oh, yeah. Um, two kids. I think probably at that time she would have been mid to late 50s. Came to see me. We put her on the in-body scanner so we can actually really see what's going on as far as her body composition is concerned. Mm-hmm. And yes, she had lost 40 pounds, which was awesome. But now she had completely just, her weight loss came to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. And her body fat percentage was 48%. Mm. Okay, well, that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we dug into it deeper and it's like she's using a topical hormone cream, Mm -hmm. but she had it compounded where everything was being put into one cream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And basically she was slathering herself Mm -hmm. in progesterone. Okay, well, so I know enough. I know enough to send up a red flag and then go, okay, I defer to professionals like yourself, right? 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 But that was a red flag to me. It's like, okay, well, progesterone, in layman's terms, is kind of this nesting hormone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why do we want a 58-year-old woman who has 48% body fat nesting? Probably we, not such a good idea. We don't. Right. Not usually. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, she, in all likelihood, she probably needed a little different avenue for hormones for that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and the hard part is with with testing, too, is knowing what you're looking at, when you're looking at it. Like, 
how you're looking at it. It's, it's more than just, oh, this level's low. Well, is this level low because we're at day three in our cycle or day 17 in our cycle or day 29 in our cycle? Like, where are we at? What's going mm-hmm. on? Are we cycling? Are we not cycling? If we're not cycling, okay, then what are we do- looking at here? Why are these levels the way they are? There's just a, there's another step of looking at things and just being aware that there's another step is sometimes all it takes for someone to go, oh, I didn't know that. Let me, let me learn more. So, uh, yeah, that's a... Which comes down to just basic interpretation, right, of like, okay, what are these, what do these labs mean? Mm-hmm. What do these levels mean? Mm-hmm. They're always like, well, my level is normal. I'm like, well, how do you know what's right. normal? No, normal is a broad, broad level. Normal and compared to what, right? right? And most, most people, most patients don't realize, women especially, that when they look at their level, like it says in there, you know... Which phase are you in in your cycle? And it gives different ranges. Right. And some of these ranges overlap a little bit. Like, what does that mean? And what does the graph look like? And like, if we graph this out, how would that, what would we, what would we do? And how, what would that tell us? And like, it gets deep quickly. And I also see why a lot of doctors don't want to do this stuff because it just, it becomes a thing quickly. Yep. And frankly, you can, you know, women can really feel bad quickly if they're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is exactly her case. It was really unfortunate, right? Yep. So then she couldn't figure out why well, I lost 40 pounds doing the keto diet, which I'm like, great. I'm a big fan of like, okay, what worked once may not necessarily work again. It right. may may have been the keto diet that was successful because she just stopped eating Ritz crackers, right? Right. right. Like all day long. <laughs> I mean, we don't know it was keto, right? right? It was right. like keto el- probably eliminated a lot of things. A lot of bad foods. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, so the bottom line is people have to find a quality provider. Yeah. They've got to go with some, they've got to go somewhere and that's hard. That is not an easy thing to do. But you guys work with people remotely. We do work with people remotely. Um, we, we work with people all over, um, cause you know, we've, we've helped people find quality people in their area. Mm -hmm. We've actually taken care of people at distance, um, just because they don't trust someone else or they've had a bad experience at, you know, the place that is local to them. And so they just, they want a, a different set of eyes. Um, so yeah, we, we help people wherever they are. If, I come here from Idaho. Yeah, you come here from Idaho. We have it's people. It's not just because I like hanging out with you. I know. <laughs> I mean, we, that's kind of a part and, of it. <laughs> and and that's, we're, we're very grateful for that too. And we, you know, I, I impress upon our, our staff, like, look, we have people that fly over thousands of providers to come to our office they're doing that for a reason and so you know when when i tell that to other patients that you know we see at distance or whatever i'm like you can come here you know you're not you don't have to stay where you are you can you can come here Mm -hmm. and for some they do and for others they don't Mm -hmm. um and it makes no difference to us our job is to help people in the capacity that they want to be helped Mm -hmm. as long as they're wanting to be the helped Totally. Well, and that's why I even mentioned it, right? Right. It's like, because I think a lot of people just don't think that way. Right. right? Like, look at the world is open to you. You pretty much can, I mean, get places very quickly now. Mm -hmm. And if you can't actually physically get there, you can get there through your computer very easily. Right. right? But people just need to broaden their, their perception and like, okay, what are they willing to do for their health? Because for me, it was a matter of, okay, how much do I really need to 
work through yep. the stuff that I was facing with hormone issues and all the other stuff, yep. it was like, well, it's number one priority to me. Right. right? And so people do have to figure out whether or not they really want to be helped. And they have to ask themselves, well, what is possible? Mm-hmm. If you start asking the question, what is possible, things present to, present to you or present mm-hmm. to them in a different way. Yep. So it's, what is possible? It's possible to feel super good. It is. It absolutely <laughs> <I know>. is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's possible to be amazing. I feel like better and better every day I get older. <laughs> That's perfect. That's how we're supposed to age. We're supposed to age feeling good. We're not supposed to age falling apart. No, I just was at, um, I was just at this really phenomenal place, Castle Hot Springs in Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's like this wellness resort. I'm going to have my retreat there, which I want you to come speak at, by All the right. way. Um, but our Tai Chi teacher said something. He was talking about women, these Chinese women that do Tai Chi and that like they're like 90 to 100 years old and that when they're going to die, they literally just bring all their stuff that they use for their class to him and say like, I'm not going to need this anymore. And then literally they don't show up anymore and they're dead. (laughs) And he said, I know. I was like, wow. And he said, no, they are really that in tune because they have a different perception than we do of death. Mm -hmm. They die in one day. Mm Mm-hmm. We, in this Western culture, die view slowly dying over decades. as like fucking 20, 30 year process. Mm-hmm. That has stuck with me. It gives me goosebumps now. It's like, I'm like, I am going to live by that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just want to die one day, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully that is the case. But this whole concept of accepting that you're just slowly dying and dragging it out and you just start whittling away at who you are yep. with all these just constant health issues and increased number of prescriptions you take and how many times you got to go to the doctor, that's bullshit. Yep. That is not dying. Chron- That's chronic, just like pissing your life away. Chronic disease <laughs> is one of the biggest expenditures in healthcare. We pay so much money to take care of chronic disease. It, two-thirds of the population, I think it's, maybe it's not quite two-thirds, but close, 60-ish, 60-ish percent of the population has at least one chronic disease. Jesus. With 25% at least having two or more. Wow. I didn't know those numbers. It's insane. And it's something like 86% of healthcare expenditure is on chronic disease. Chronic disease, for the most part, is completely preventable. Mm-hmm. A vast majority of it is lifestyle related. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why when people say, oh, this is normal, it's kind of like, I don't really like that term because it's like, well, yeah, yeah. But when you're living in a society of complete and utter dysfunction, right? Sickness is normal sickness, in this like country. Like you said, right? Like people, like sickness is the norm. Yep. Like you don't want to be normal. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's powerful. We'll end it there. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You bet.